Today on this morning walk, we're talking to our dear friend, Rhoda Ahmed. We're asking her about what she's walking through, where she's been in this life, and what she has learned along the way about community, care, and being a good friend. We hope you enjoy. Blind Nil Audio. Alex L. I'm Libby Delena. Welcome to this Morning Walk podcast. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Hey. I'm excited for today's conversation. We're talking to our dear friend, Rhoda Ahmed. Mm-hmm. She is a New York Times bestselling author. Let's see if I can remember everything. Goodness. Rhoda is everything. <laughs> She's everything. She's magical. Uh, She speaks five languages. She's written a book um, that has recently been banned, which I think is fascinating, about Mae Jemison, an astronaut in the late 50s who's incredible. She just wrote a book called Edda Extraordinaire. She's the founder of High Tree Publishing, which is a beautiful publishing company focused on telling stories about children who often aren't portrayed in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's magical. And I met her about 10 years ago at a wonderful event called The Do Lectures. And the three of us have spent some time together. Mm-hmm. And I met her through you. We had cross paths via email randomly and things just came together. She's wonderful. She's an awesome woman. She's a thoughtful human being. She's such a caring mom, a devoted truth teller. And I'm excited to hear more about Rhoda and this, like, I know that we know her, but we haven't talked to her in this capacity, you know, about, well, I haven't, you may have, but I haven't. And so it's nice to just hear more about her professionally, but also how she came to walking. Cause I didn't know a lot of what she shared. And so it was a beautiful conversation. I'm thrilled for y'all listeners, y'all walk stars to hear Rhoda's story. It was a, a nice reconnect and you all can find her books at all the book places, but uh, certainly at High Tree Publishing. And then we'll put some links in the show notes, but um, yeah, enjoy this conversation with someone both Alex and I really love. Hi, Rhoda. I'm kind of out of my mind talking to the two of you, Mm. to some of my favorite people on the planet. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, wow, like I get to speak to two of my friends. I am so grateful for being here and thank you for having me. I'm really happy that you said yes to this, Rhoda. I know that you mentioned you are a little nervous and excited, but literally all we do is sit and talk to our favorite people. It's nothing fancy. It's literally (laughs) just us coming together as friends and and sharing stories that we may have heard before or maybe that we haven't. So I think it's exciting to have you as a part of this, you know, walking community, but also as, as a friend in our life. And I think that brings me to my first question of what are you walking through right now? Mm, I love that question. I um I feel the the biggest shift and change in our lives and my lives recently has been our daughter went to college. 
So uh, I, it took me a while to get used to like not having her around because she's such a sunshine and talkative. So I would say I was walking through like, oh, like, you know, the bird flew out of the nest. So, you know, and she is uh, the most amazing, fun, loving, you guys know her. And she went to study in Australia. <laughs> so it was so far because she loves surfing and movies. And um, so I feel like my love language is walking. So the last few months I've been walking a lot with my friends and they've been carrying like, oh, the, your baby left. Like now we only have one baby left at home and it's so strange. But um, yeah, I think that's what I'm walking through. Like, okay, I'm, I'm better now. Um, and she's, she's so, <laughs> she calls me in the middle of the night. We have a rule that the phones are in the kitchen, but in case of emergency, since she moved, I have them next to the bed. Uh, and she doesn't check the time before she calls. So sometimes it will be like 2 a.m. and 4. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Go back to bed. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm walking through. I love the way you articulated your love language. Um, you and I have talked about this, is uninterrupted attention and time, real, real attention with each other. And that for you, that happens and can happen. Mm -hmm in the act of walking. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, um, as Alex and I have talked about our practice, it's not about the number of steps. It's not about the number of miles. And what I hear you saying is what it is about for you is coming together with the people that you love in this sort of uninterrupted, um, beautifully attentive place. And there is something, I don't know, it's it's uh, interesting. There is something about walking shoulder to shoulder with somebody, mm -hmm. side by side. Mm -hmm. um, it's different than sitting across a table and having a conversation with somebody. There is something about that. And one of my favorite things, I remember walking with you one time, I can't even remember what subject we were talking about, but you gently reached out and held my hand. And it wasn't even really conscious act. It was just an act of affection. And that happens really easily, I think, as we walk side by side with each other. There's, uh, I don't know, there's a real loving connection. So I, I just love the way you frame that, which is going for a walk can be an act of sort of radical love. And uh, I really, I feel that. Oh, thank you. And especially when you live with a family that doesn't like to go on walks. <laughs> so it's more like, okay, mom, we're taking mommy on a walk. It's like a, like, you know, a big gesture of like, okay, she's making everyone walk. Let's take, like, it's her turn. Let's take her for a walk. So um, they like a destination, but when we go for a walk, it's mo mostly, I know it's for me and I really appreciate mm. it. Something I really love about you, Rhoda, so we know that we know you, but <laughs> for the folks who are listening who don't know you, you're also an author and you write children's books and you are the owner of High Tree Publishing and you are creating space in the literary world for women, for Black women, for women of color to show up authentically with their stories. And I'm curious to know why you thought it was important, one, to not only share your story in children book form, because I know that I love reading children's books. I have three kids, as y'all know, and I love reading children's books because there's these like underlying messages that as adults, we can understand that the kiddos can't, right? Um, 
And often it's in those books that we give ourselves permission to imagine and play and um, fall in love with new ideas. So I'm curious why you thought it was important to to write children's books, but also um, to start a publishing company. Like that's that's a huge feat to walk through and you have done it. So I'm curious to know your thoughts around that. Um, thank you for that question. Well, I actually accidentally stumbled upon children's books because I grew up in Norway and I loved books. So every Saturday, my dad would take me to the library. I'm one of eight siblings. So for us to have our alone time, it would be like, oh, me and my dad would go to the library. And every Saturday I would pick a book and then I would read the book, tell him about the book in order to go back. And I remember one time he asked me, Rhoda, if you can be anything in the whole world, what would you be? And I was like, "Mm, I really would love to write books. I would love to have a book with my name on it. And I kind of forgot about that dream. I became a, I studied anthropology. I met my then boyfriend, now husband, and I submitted a script and it got picked up. And that book is in the same library me and my dad used to go. So I just remember the power of just having a book with the name, but also knowing that books are important. And as immigrant kids, you know, my mom was illiterate, so I always had to translate for her. And I knew that the world looks at you in a different way when you don't know how to read and write. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also knew that it was like a ticket out. And like a ticket of freedom of like people that are important, have books written about them. Um, if you're in a book, you're really important in school. Like you read is important. There's um, freedom and a knowledge and a power that comes from books. As I knew that very early on. And uh, growing up in Norway, there's not a lot of brown children's books because everyone's blonde with blue eyes, which is, you know, fine. But then we moved to New York and I had, we had our own kids and I couldn't find the simple books. And I was just so shocked. I'm like, whoa, but there's so many brown people in America and people from everywhere. Like, where are the books? Like the Mommy and Me book and the ABC book. So I didn't want my kids to feel left out. So I mostly read vegetable and animal books for them. And then I read somewhere that a black woman went to space. And I was like, no way. Like, I know a dog went to space. How do we not know about Mae Jemison? And I couldn't find a book about her. So I was like, you know, I, I'm a writer and I can write it. So I wrote the book. I found the illustrator on Etsy, never met her. Um, and then I made the book. And my friend introduced me to an agent. And then the agent said, um, you know, where do you want to go? What HarperCollins picked it up. And HarperCollins said to me something that was kind of life-changing and they said that one we had no idea black women went to space and two we usually never publish a book that looks like this meaning this is a finished book writers write and the publisher connects the script with an illustrator they have in-house and you just Mm -hmm. give a finished book and for me that I'm such a visual person too I thought, well, there. this is the way to do it. Like it only took two, three months. And I think, um, so it was like a new blueprint since I didn't know, you know, sometimes ignorant is a bliss. And then I, the book came out and it sold out. And within, now it's in its 22nd or 23rd printing um, because 
people wanted to know and knowledge is power and all of a sudden these kids are growing up knowing about that someone like them went to space someone like us or someone like your mom and and I felt like this is bigger than me and if I can do it one time let me see if I can do it again so I started Hydric Publishing and then I was like the gatekeepers get to decide who gets to write and I really do feel everyone who wants to write is a writer and we all have stories that need to come out in one way or another, if it's in songs or movies or podcasts or book form, um, and we're entitled to these stories. And then I started doing research and I saw that all the publishing houses and the editors and the publishers, they all look the same and their kids didn't lack a mommy and me book or a tooth fairy book or ABC mm. book. Their kids are in the books, my kids and other people's kids. And physical diversity and like diversity is not just color it's there's mm -hmm. so many different people in the world and it needs to be reflected in our book so then I just helped started connecting writers and illustrators and um, we became a New York Times bestseller and we've done I've done 15 books since and I was like hey you want to make a book I'll show you how to make a book you want to make a book let me help <laughs> now it's more um I just I found I found proof like um proof of concept, but also that there it's an industry that's changing and it's super exciting. And it's never been a better time to tell stories and share them and make books. Mm. There's never, I mean, I know the world feels heavy and sad right now, but meeting thousands of kids, I've never been more hopeful. Like this is, mm. this generation is going to change the world. And um, in a belief of if you can't do great things straight away, just do the little things in a great way. And I try to live by that. It's beautiful. This is a long answer. This is a podcast. This is not a normal hang. I'm like, wait, are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. Tell us about your most recent book. Uh, Ed Extraordinaire just came out on Harper Collins um, that I co-wrote with Charnay. And it's about a little girl who does anything ordinary in extraordinary ways. Um, and she's super fun. And it's for every kid that's ever been told, like, you're too much and too loud and too this. It's, you know, I just love being able to share books that I have in my brain and find amazing illustrators that could bring it to life. Like it's, um, it's, and do you know how many times the kids laugh a day, guys? You, no. If you guess. 30. I'm going to guess like 300 times. Cause my, cause Isla laughs a lot. My middle child is a giggly wiggly. So <laughs> I'm guessing like hundreds yeah. of times. Yes, you're right. It's like 350 times average for a kid per day. And an adult laughs 17. Mm. Oh. I know. I laugh a lot. I know. I will say That's that. I, I, you do. Yeah, we do laugh a lot. But in average, 17 times. So something happens in that journey of where does the joy and the silliness and the where like something takes over. Um, so I love hanging out with kids. <laughs> I usually don't talk to adults. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to retrain my childhood self. <laughs> I think that's one of the things you do so well, Rhoda, is uh, uh, a new book comes out and you're in classrooms reading and hearing from all the, that wonderful generation. How, how have you chosen to do that? And what do you hear from that young crowd? I love that question. Well, now the question I ask them is what makes you extraordinary? 
and kids will be like, I'm brave, I'm fun, I jump really high, I run really fast, I'm kind, I'm warm. Like their adjectives and how they perceive themselves are so free. And I had a group of parents come to a reading with their kids. I asked the parents and they're a little more uncomfortable. They're like, uh, I'm a very good organizer. <laughs> I am a very good uh uh, I, I'm on time, you know, so uh, yeah, it's fun. Hey, walk stars, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, walk stars, I want to turn you on to one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. It's the 10% Happier podcast, and it has one guiding philosophy happiness is a skill you can learn. And I truly believe this. So why not master it? Hosted by Dan Harris, a journalist who had a panic attack on national television and then set out on a journey of transformation. He's now on a quest to help others achieve peace and happiness. Every week, Dan talks to top scientists, meditation teachers, and even the odd celebrity in wide-ranging conversations that explore topics like productivity, anxiety, enlightenment, psychedelics, and relationships. The interviews cover everyone from Brene Brown to Alexander Draymond to Sam Harris. So walk stars, as you know, this podcast is much more than just about walking. It's the same for 10% Happier. Think of listening to 10% Happier as a workout for your mind. Find 10% Happier wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to this Morning Walk podcast. So something that I want to talk to you about too is how you make space for other people. Um, when I went on tour for How We Heal last year, you when I came to LA for my book tour stop, you threw me a beautiful dinner at your house with people, like some people you knew and some people you didn't know yet because I knew them and you had them in your house and you <laughs> had a chef cook for us. And it was so, it was so amazing. And I'm curious, like, like that is totally something I would do. Mm. And I don't meet a lot of people who match my effort in that way. So I'm really curious how you make space for people to like to celebrate people and to open up your home and your heart to them to feed people to create community because 
that really was shocking to me when you told me you wanted to have a dinner and I walked in and there's a long table with my books at every place setting and gorgeous flowers and delicious food. It was, I was stunned. That has never happened to me before. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk with you about that. Like where in your life did you learn how to show up in that way? Because I do think that's a muscle that we learn uh, to exercise. I love that. Uh, Well, first of all, I love you and your book and Libby. So I grew up not seeing it in my life. I grew up, you know, poor and immigrant kid in the world's richest country. So I felt that people celebrate people usually either on weddings, funerals, the big events, right? But I just wanted to spend the last few years of my life just properly and intentionally being together and celebrate us and each other. So instead of, I read somewhere a quote that says, use envy as inspiration of like, oh, like, I really, that looks so nice. And then at some point it's like, you can do it yourself. You don't need to have a longing for something that you can actually do yourself. So for me, when I set a table of love and other, my dear friends and their work, like these books are going to live on way after us. Like in hundred years, books will be here. And it's a huge accomplishment to writing a book. Like if there's, you know, after childbirth, (laughs) I feel, you know, writing books are, it's not something we should take lightly and be like, well, I wrote a book and then, you know, so I really wanted to do almost like a book blessing of bringing us all come together and just having this beautiful space. And, you know, I took everyone's phone, so no one had a phone (laughs) and no one got disturbed and, Um, It just brought me so much joy and I do it for the people I love. So I don't do it often, but the times I do it, it really refills my soul. And years later, we can still live off of how amazing that moment was. Yeah, it was very memorable too. It was, I will never forget that. It was so generous and kind. It was a really beautiful evening. And aside from the aesthetic beauty of it, I think your intention, Rhoda, of consciously coming together with really thoughtful people made everybody feel really seen. I mean, I, Alex and I have talked about this, which is we need more celebrations. We should celebrate things, celebrate ourselves, celebrate each other, honor the effort, honor the the work that's gone into writing a book. I mean, Alex's book is incredible. It's a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, <laughs> that deserves a moment of of celebration. And you do it really, really easily. So um, I think that's part of the beauty of of how you're able to create and yeah, important. It's important to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. It is important to celebrate and like now more than ever, it feels really, really, really important to, to take our time and be with people that we love and big and small ways of celebrating is, um, definitely something that I keep in the the front of my mind these days. Like how can we celebrate the little things in our lives with the people that we love? How can we continue to walk through life in the, in an era of celebration? Like it's, it doesn't, 
it's not promised, you know, and the fact that we're able to get up and walk and get up and live and see our loved ones and breathe is huge. And so that's something that I'm, I'm carrying with me. No, I think that's right. And I think perhaps we would all align around the idea that, you know, the act of going for a walk every single day, I think in a way inspires that slowing down and that requirement of observation and the opportunity, for example, to see neighbors as you're going down the street and yeah, the, the sheer speed at which walking happens, it in fact inspires what you just said, Alex, which is a pace that is different from our usual world of hopping into cars and moving around quickly to such a degree that sometimes I don't even notice what's happening in my ecosystem. But it's the, as you said, Rhoda, is to lace up and head out the door um, is a carving out of space that enables us. It's a practice to remind us to do that. When you said neighbors, I have the world's best neighbor. He's 101, Sven Svensson. He's he's an old Norwegian war veteran and uh, inventor. I know, and he just happens to be my neighbor in LA. And he goes for a walk every single day. <laughs> he has not missed a day. And I've gone on several walks with him and he wears the same jacket. He has this paper jacket that has the world map on it. And I was like, dude, that's a cool jacket. And he's like, yeah, I bought it 40 years ago. Like literally in 1981, the year I was born. So I'm as old as his jacket. So I found the jacket online. And then one day I put it on and I surprised him. And then we walk together. So every time he sees me driving by, he's like, wait, where's your jacket? Aren't you going to come for a walk? He walks every <laughs> single day. <laughs> that is so, so sweet. 101. <laughs> he's so cool. Wow. Okay. So next time we're all together out there, we're going to walk with him. We, we need paper coats. Yeah. yeah. I, have, I have. You can borrow mine. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, you are such a global citizen. You spend time in LA, you spend time in Norway, you uh, were born in Somalia. And my question for you is, is there a place where when you go for a walk, is it that you feel particularly at home or grounded or connected? Does that happen in Norway for you? I imagine it might. Does it happen in LA for you? Is there a place that when you walk that you feel particularly connected to that space? A hundred percent. I have the most magical, I mean, I had the world's longest walk to school. Like when I, the first time I took the kids to walk my route to school, they were like, no way, no way. You didn't walk this, like it felt forever when they were little. And we have a house in Norway and it's right by where I grew up. And I walk that same path and I walk in the same forest that I grew up in and every time I'm there and every time I walk I remember when you're a kid you know every little stone and a tree and everything on the ground has memories and everything around you have memories and it it it's, it sounds like a fairy tale because but it was a public housing but the world's most beautiful public housing near the king's forest where the king's summer house and his horses and cows and they're still there like it's not a public housing anymore in that area but um i love every summer when we go for a walk there and all our friends and 
it's so special to me because I used to love it as a kid and I love it even more as an adult. And then my friend told me a few years ago about uh, the Japanese practice of forest bathing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you guys, and I, I didn't even know it had a name. And she's like, no, it's therapy. It's nature therapy. You didn't know. I'm like, wait, what? I'm doing that. That's why I like it. That's why my brain and my body. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, like the act of being in the forest and seeing the change of colors and the birds and walking down to the ocean. And there's like this long loop. You can go for a super long walk and then a quick one. And but you pass like the same horses, the same cows, the same castle. Like the, everything's exactly the same. Uh, but you're you've changed. And I think when we walk in our childhood footsteps, either you, like you remember all the good and all the bad but that particular time in my life when we moved and we lived there for 10 years it was like the most magical time of our lives as a family and going back with your own kids and godchildren and friends and visitors it's so special like I can't even describe it and the same rocks are there the same trees are there so it is it is really really special and then we lived in new york for 10 years so going back to new york it's it feels like home in a different way you have like your little side streets you always cut and you walk on sixth avenue and then you cut over on green street and so it does feel like you're programmed in your walking to walk the same ways and the same routes and it's soothing to me it feels soothing, like you know exactly where you're going. So it's almost like a built-in compass when you walk the same walk. And I always remember the kids, especially in LA, I I get very sentimental because we would park, park the car and then walk down to school every day. And they would let, you know, we would always hold hands. And then there was like one moment by this one gate in the corner of 18th and Olympic or Isaac is in fourth grade and he looks up at me and he says, mom, is it okay if we stop holding hands like right here? And I was like, oh, and every time I drive past that, I'm like, Isaac, remember we used to walk here and this is the place where you told me to let go of your hand now. And he's like, mom, come on, that's so long ago. (laughs) So I think memories are connected to walking um, and walking has stories, right? So I feel like every place you walk has a story that you carry with you in one way or another. I love when you said that the path in Norway was the same from childhood, but that you've changed. I think there's something really interesting in the concept of place staying the same and holding space for you to go through those changes and still remain as this kind of really foundational, you know, place that you can count on. I imagine you can count on that walk to always, to provide you that comfort and that, you know, sort of sameness walk after walk and you can shift regardless and it remains there for you, which is a really, that's, I don't know, that feels really beautiful. Thank you. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you do the same walks every day or do you switch it up? Uh, For me, I do the same walk every day, just about, yeah, just about every day. For me, I I recently have been shifting it up. I would say in the early part of my practice, I did the same loop in part because I knew how long it would take and I could kind of time, time it. And now my schedule is a little more flexible. So I 
vary it up, but um, I actually did a walk this morning, which was the one that I started with and um, have probably walked a thousand times. And as you just said, Rhoda, there was, it was like an old friend. I mean, it was sort of like that barn on the right was one I've looked at a zillion times. And I've talked about this before. That barn actually taught me how to see, not just look, because when you go past something so regularly, you're not just looking at it, you're actually seeing it. So yeah, this morning was a really nice walk on a path that I've done a zillion times but haven't done recently. So what is your next... um, do you have another book that you have ready to bring to the world? Uh, yeah, well, next year, the it, this book, has it's a series. So <laughs> next year, Edda goes to the White House. <laughs> so, yeah, so that will be fun for next year. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for that. And, it, and And now that the year is coming to an end, too, it's like it's gone by so fast. This year, really, I feel flew flew by like in a I know that the older we get the faster time goes but this year has been on super speed somehow I'm like whoa and trying to just have fun along the way and being present for it but it's like you only get 18 summers of a childhood so this summer when our daughter turned 18 I was like there was like a moment of like her childhood is you were officially in Europe, you're an adult at 18, like, and in Australia. But so that was like a very big moment of, uh, oh, wow, like now that and our son is 14. So I'm mindful of like, you have four more summers of childhood together. And how do you want that to look? And what do you want to fill it with? And being able to be more present and together has been very, very important and he's on the basketball team now so every day of the week goes to being on a random court somewhere in LA so I'm trying to find joy in that Um, yeah Alex when um Rhoda said time is moving so quickly I could see your body language was like oh yes what were you feeling when she (laughs) said are you feeling that particularly I disagree like this this year went by so fast my oldest turned 16 my little one is halfway through kindergarten now my other little one is you know thriving in preschool and then for me too it's just like I'll be 35 next year and like what am I walking into in this new in this new year in this new season I've started thinking about my word of the year which is spacious mm. I really want uh, 2024 to be a sanctuary of spaciousness and so I'm trying to figure out what that looks like, how that feels, where that is. And that kind of brings me to our last question, Rhoda, which is what are you calling in for the new year? Mm, Oh, wow. I love that. What am I calling in for the new year? Uh, Great question. Um, My word for this year was ease, that everything was easeful and I feel um easeful and joyful was the word and I feel it it this year was that even though it had its hard moments um but I think what I would love to call for the new year is more peace just for everyone just peace 
just more world peace and 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 peace to people around that we all just you know go through the world in in peaceful in a peaceful way and in a peaceful moments um that everything we're doing we can do in a peaceful way if it's like being together and being apart but i think that's what what came to me was i i would love to call in more prayer for peace and peace just we we need it the world needs it um that's why i feel and i feel our kids deserve it because they are even though they're living in the moment and i've seen that they're they have all these questions and there's so much coming at them and there's so much information and there's when we were kids we didn't have internet <laughs> and the kids are like what what year were you born you didn't have internet are you from the 1900 that's weird uh but we really didn't grow up with you know all this information access and disinformation access right like if you were if you asked like what's the world's longest river you had to go to the library and you had to find the book and then you had to you know it was a long journey to get answers and now you can have a question and you can get a lot of answers and a lot of them can also be not true so i um i just feel like there's so finding a way to navigate just in a peaceful way um both knowledge and the stories we're being told and what we seek out and yeah just more peace that i grew up in a time and i think we all did where we're all neighbors and we're all friendly and it didn't matter who we voted for and what religion we belong to um we were still friends and i just i really wish that we can get back to that for the sake of our kids that we're not as segregated but that we're just peacefully coming together uh i would love that more of that for next year what about you libby i can't argue with any of that for both spaciousness and peace i think those are really great words I, to be perfectly honest i haven't thought about my word but i can't argue with either of those very healing thoughts honestly as you each of you said those words i felt really, really beautiful. Well, Rhoda, thank you. I would say that one of the things we often talk about as we wrap up is our cup of tea. <laughs> look at my cup of tea. Look, look, and the cup. Who made the cup? Yeah. I think Alex <laughs> made the cup. Alex, I think Alex made that cup. Alex Fork Pottery made the cup. Yep. Yes. <laughs> really, Alex, I switched out all the cups in the house with just these. I know. I know. <laughs> They're so beautiful. I love them. <laughs> so beautiful. I know. Well, yes, I had like 10 cups of chai. It was so cold this morning. I came home. I basically took a bath in the chai. <laughs> it was so cold. But thank you. We love you dearly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely dearly. And if you haven't had your walk today, I hope you have a great one. I hope you go with your neighbor and you put on your paper coat. <laughs> Send me a picture. Picture, yeah, please. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> well, I love you guys. And again, thank you so much. And thank you for creating this and for all your amazing work. I love you. And it's so amazing to see what you guys put out in the world. It just makes it a better place. So thank you. We love you, Rhoda. Bye, Rhoda. Bye, Bye Alex. Bye. Bye, this Morning Walk is a production of Blind Nil Audio, hosted by me, Alex L. And me, Libby Delena. 
If you find value and meaning in the conversations that we have on the show, please share it with a friend. And consider leaving a five-star review. Also, comments on Apple Podcasts really help us out. When you do that, it introduces this show to a bigger audience. Thank you so much for listening. You are wonderful. Have a great walk. Take good care. The views, information, or opinions expressed in the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Chip and Joanna Gaines, Blind Nell Audio, nor Magnolia.